0: Klaus Padel. I'm uh, excited to be here and I'm uh, waiting uh, lots of interesting questions and hopefully some interesting answers too.
1: Well, Klaus, thank you so much for inviting me here in your, your space here and, and uh, it's such an honor to sit with you. I'm such a huge fan of your work. Um, to start off though, I'd love to talk about kind of um, your introduction to film music or to music in general mm. and how did it start in your life and what kind of what was the, the point where you're like Moving towards film and television and all that stuff.
0: I was kind of a very late starter. I uh, I um, I had like a first like tech startup. That's how I started my career in like mm-hmm. in the eighties. You know when there was no startups. <laughs> um, and then uh, I quickly realized after a few years, actually not that quickly, that it's not for me. I want to do the other side of, uh-huh. of things. And I always did music. And I was actually did more film than music. And I um I just you know I found this uh, producer in Germany who. <laughs> Who was in Mannheim who was uh, doing amazing, amazing things, and then and, uh, went on to like contact him and just say, "Hey, can I, I don't know, make coffee and just start, yeah. o- oh and start over?" Right. And that's how it, how it all started. A day it was then, you know, at some point in his, well, he had a recording studio and music production, film music. He right. produced records. Shaka Khan was like the, the, the big thing. It's why I was like, "Oh my gosh, <laughs> what's this guy doing in Germany?" So I, I gotta see him. And so for some reason he agreed that I could hang. Wow, that's <laughs> and, um, awesome. Yeah, I was completely <laughs> stoked. And I um, yeah, I um, took like a over you know, the classic story, overnight some composer got you know, he was sick, so they need to do commercial and mm. I started at like ten PM and was finished at six AM. And you know, and, and from then on, I got into the writing mode of the, uh, Wow. Because
1: you had some uh, on your IMDb, some early things like Peter Strom, their t- yes, right. Der Eisbär, kind of early German television. Exactly. Right. So those were just kind of you, get, kind of getting a grasp of like writing to picture. Because he didn't; there was just, like, every uh, an episode here and there, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, these are these are full. Um, I don't know exactly what the I mean. I honestly, don't remember. But no, I think mean, <laughs> back in Germany for that actually, you know, seems from here it doesn't matter. But mm-hmm. back in Germany, these were c- quite you uh, know um, quite notable achievements. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> know, big, so big, big shows. But, but they were like hard uh, work like in Germany means something. And uh, it's like right. I don't know. See, it's not even see. It's like a ninety-minute. Uh, it's a movie. Every yeah. every it's movie of the week. Wow. But um, after a short while of, of doing this and. Um, having some you know challenges of being inspired there because mm-hmm. everyone was very may I say a so middle of the road happy you know mm-hmm. they were happy with average stuff and right, I want right. to do more and it was actually difficult to do but you know give me two more days I'll do it better and, yeah yeah and um, so I always looked of course what's been doing what's been done here right yeah and I just went on uh, vacation on like a little trip to say, you know, I just want to see what's going on. I want to see the bands playing in the clubs and the musicians I heard of. And um, <laughs> I went on to, to see know, Bob Menzer at the uh, Catalina something something, like, wow. you know, these yeah. kind of, that was, by the way, almost the only 10 days I had for the rest of my life to actually go <laughs> and enjoy music. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I mean, I haven't done so much. Uh, that one week, I remember that well, because now we realize, my God, after 20 years. Yeah to go back out and and, and get inspired again. Right, yeah, it's refreshing
1: It's such a big part of the process, and I know so many composers, I'll ask them, uh, I was going to ask you at the end of it, but, you know, what do you do in your pastime? They're like, I don't even remember the last vacation I took. (laughs) So it just wraps into your life and becomes your life. Um, But growing up, did you have any kind of early inspirations of other musicians or other uh, composers or films that you gravitated towards and been like, that speaks to me, kind of?
0: That was so interesting, I mean... Very early and I was very much into big band stuff, mm-hmm. you know, I listened to, I mean, we had like the semi nestico jazz arrangements, we played with wow. big band. That was the first time actually I hit America too, was with the big band of our high school. <laughs> <laughs> and we played some malls, you know, in Chicago, that's kind uh-huh. of how it started. <laughs> we well, were like, oh my gosh, what's going on here? We are, I felt really out of place because, you know, the uh, musical education back in Germany is, when it comes to um, what they call entertainment music mm-hmm. uh, they make you make a diff- they actually make a difference there between serious music and entertaining music okay which is already
1: so like concert
0: pieces yeah, versus, versus yeah. like you know movie music right. with versus big band and jazz and, yeah, yeah. And, and rock pop uh, which tells you a lot about you know how, <laughs> how hard it is to actually create yeah, something because that, you only sense, yeah. get really uh, regarded uh, and acknowledged if you you know pop stars are looked down on uh-huh. And jazz doesn't exist really, I mean, it's not true, but you know, yeah. and many things have changed over the last two years But right when I was there it was like really hard to uh, get anything and uh, you know in terms of acting and movies and, and directing it, You had to work long and hard to find one light at the end of the tunnel somewhere mm-hmm. um, And again, I did a lot of stuff over there and uh, I'm not saying I was like a, a top player at the time but Yeah, I did a lot of stuff there and um, and, uh, and again, you had to do like ten things you like didn't believe in to get the chance to do one thing. That meant something which to you. Meant something. Yeah.
1: So when you're starting out as a composer, I mean, you're obviously accomplished now, and you 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 have an identity and a sound. But I always like to uh, ask composers like, when you're first starting out, is there a process, time where you're like, well, what is my sound going to be? Like, am I going to be an electronic composer, orchestral? 21. Or I mean, did you yeah. kind of have a, I guess, an identity crisis at the beginning to try to determine like, what is a Klaus Fidel score gonna sound like?
0: Interesting question. No, actually not at all. I mm. I, um, I always kind of did that thing. It, it's, um, but also what helped, I did like tons of commercials back and, forth. Right. and then Right. A lot of composers came. do that. As yeah, thing. so I like, did hundreds of them yeah. and I tried all kinds of, I had to, you know, try all kinds of styles. And, right. And I came from, you know, in, uh, from pop record production, it was used right. to called records at the time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and uh, produced them and, and um, and did a lot of recordings, and um, so I had this always. Uh, um, this this uh, I came from the very um, you know the approachable angle of like pop and, and and if you want jazz stuff, right? But I always had this love. On the other hand, for, you know, Mahler was one of my. I mean, right. I, there's nothing else I really listen to. It's actually these these mm-hmm. nine and a half symphonies and um, the the big symphonic work and. Uh, and a variety of, of stuff, like singer, songwriter, all these things, and merge together. So I always was this guy at the synthesizer. Right. Um, but also I loved uh, the appreciation of, of the orchestra. Yeah. Um, I learned a little bit, but not formally. I actually, in fact, failed the entry exam of uh, what I wanted to do in back in Germany. <laughs> wow. Yes. So um, didn't want me. And um, I. Uh, I and I didn't want to be this concept pianist kind yeah, of style yeah. too. I want to produce and record. And right. What was offered there is uh, on an educational basis, mm-hmm. uh, very different than here. Yeah. Know? Again, that was twenty years ago, so I actually don't even know what's going on there right now. Yeah. But, but here you had many more. You have many more opportunities to learn recording technology and, right. and songwriting and jazz and pop and film music. When right. right. Of course.
1: So I mean, when you came to Los Angeles, I mean, it's such a uh, I mean, it's such a bigger pool, a bigger pond than than versus anywhere else in the world. Unimaginable. I know. It's just it's overwhelming. When I moved out here, you know, it's just like what you know. You come from this little sheltered bubble, and then you're like here. So when you, I mean, you started, or you know, of course, you worked with Hans and Media Ventures and all that. But um, when you started getting those early works uh, as an additional composer, was that kind of? I mean, is that was that the only way to really learn Hollywood? Was through Kind of that kind of method of working under it was it was a dream
0: come true I Mm -hmm. don't even uh, I would never complain Um, yeah this was more than I ever dreamt of besides when I came here um, you know I got here literally on vacation just to check out musicians and you know I fell into a couple of places like one was Hans Zimmer's place Uh, I had no idea you can't do that yeah Um, (laughs) and I just showed up and they probably mixed me up because I had this. like barely spoke English, uh-huh. and uh, they thought, I must know him, I mean, he must know me, I don't uh-huh. know, something crazy. It's the German and, association or something. <laughs> I don't know, for some reason something something went wrong and I got in, <laughs> and I uh, was basically offered not a job, but like an internship, mm-hmm. that's what I asked for, yeah. and they want to keep me there. So, uh, for me, it was like, I didn't even know if I was actually able and capable of doing this. It's a very. It, it doesn't come easy um, yeah. to me. The, the writing, it's it's hard work and not only work, it's like questioning, it's psychologically very difficult. Yeah. Uh, it's not like, yeah, here I am, what can I do? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's more the opposite. And um, to be able to s- just sit on the couch behind, uh, you know, I, li- I had this with Mark Shehman too uh, for a while. Right. And yeah. Hans and uh, Michael Kamen, I uh, was, you know, um, I could work with, um, definitely, definitely with Hans the most of the time and, right. and the composers. Uh, yeah. Uh, John Powell and uh, Harry Gregson Williams, I remember at the beginning.
1: You worked on The Hunger, I think, didn't you? Oh, yes, yeah. exactly, with Harry. Yes. Yeah. Okay.
0: And uh, I was, of course, the intern who was you know, one of the many. And boy, there was a high, uh, high competition there. Oh, I uh, can't imagine.
1: <laughs> I've, I've, talked to, I've talked to John Powell and Harry at the time, <laughs> yeah. and they've said, yeah, it's a, it was a very competitive situation. But, yeah.
0: but it is. I mean, at the same time, they opened the studio doors to me more right. or less. And I will never forget that. And again, I was sitting in the back and just listening what they do, and I'm like wondering. The more they did, I'm like, oh my gosh, will I ever be able to do this? This is there was this scene, and I'm like, I would have no idea what to do at this point. Uh-huh. Only to learn when they turn around and talk, then that they're feeling the same. Right, and they're still <laughs> yeah, there's terror on their face. Uh, they're ter- they're terrified. <laughs> uh, terrified. I mean, for yeah. like, and I, I really didn't, and they just you know. <laughs> Oh, I'm glad you like I'm not the only one kind of right and so it was amazing for me to be able to be asked to like hey can you I'm leaving at midnight can you do something to mm. when I come back like I really for sure so this is uh, crazy so yeah. I for me it wasn't like I have to work under someone out for me it was like the highest I could ever achieve. yeah and, and then and it went there.
1: and you got to collaborate with so many people I think collaboration is such a key part yeah. of music and everything and you got to work with Hans and, exactly. and Ramin and all these amazing composers yeah, exactly. and one of your early scores, which Hans what I really loved, was um, uh, The Pledge, which you did for Sean Penn yeah. and um, I was always curious, it's, it's such a great film and he doesn't direct that often and he's an actor, what was it like working with, a, I guess, a director who was also an actor, but he, I mean, he wasn't in the film, he was just behind the yeah, camera.
0: Um, oh my gosh I, l- I had only 10 days for that score or wow. something like this so less than two weeks and we were living off coffee and and, yeah. and wine you know yeah mixed it. together something Yes. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and he was already mixing dubbing the film in, wow. in San Francisco so he came at night um, listened to the stuff gave some notes and then made sure he would go back to the hotel before the bar closed. <laughs> exaggerating but yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, <laughs> he was in such an inspiration these guys yeah. are an amazing inspiration i mean he probably doesn't still know who the guy was who was sitting in the console that was me because mm-hmm. it was such a blur yeah just um, watched but, but it was uh, with him was um, he you know he's a he's a kind of a film teacher if you want, and he yeah. told me what the scene was about and i'm like oh this is very different than my impression. Yeah. So I was just this young guy who like thought, oh, there's a love scene, score a love scene. He's like, no, this is not a love scene, but I see it. Okay, you know, yeah, so... to um, kind
1: of get the, the reading between the lines and the, yeah. 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 And, uh, and I'm just curious about, that I mean, you know talking about your approach, not just for uh, The Pledge, but for any film, uh, now that you've kind of mastered that. When you sit down and look at the film for the first time, or you look at the script, or whenever you're part of the process, what's, like, the first thing that, I guess, starts... Communicating to you as a, as the a storyteller, do you look at the characters? Do you look at the maybe the cinematography, the plot? Like, what's kind of that pulls the first note out?
0: a movie is like the quintessential uh, you know multimedia show, right? right? So it's actually everything. Sometimes it is like the how the, him, the camera works, how, yeah. how this has been shot, how the camera tells the story. But it's mostly the, it's mostly how I connect with the lead or with the, character. the main character. It's yeah. really like how does it feel, and uh, it's my actually role often. The very first 10 minutes of the film, if you have that, maybe five. Right. To make the audience feel sympathetic, even though, you know, whatever the guy is, but to feel for them. Because once you feel with them, for them, you can do the story, can take you anywhere and you believe it. Yeah. It can be the most unbelievable story after. Yeah. It could be an action movie, but action is no fun if you don't feel for the character, if you don't don't care for for what's going to happen. Yeah. Then I feel it's a cold action. I I don't care then, and I think the audience, most of them, will feel the same. Right.
1: And do you pull from when I mean, you're pulling emotion, and whether it's something a painful scene or a death scene, or even a happy, really you know, crying happiness? Are you trying to analyze the characters, kind of? I mean, it's a kind of psychological thing to figure out what the character is thinking, or do you try to pull like, okay, I've experienced this myself, you know, mm-hmm. in my life, and do you pull from experience of yourself, oh, yeah. or do you just? Genes.
0: There's a lot of that if you're lucky, of course. Yeah, you can I mean, really personally connect yeah. uh, with you know a certain situation in the film, yeah. and uh, you know uh, everyone has their their mother story, the father story, right. and you know you, you like um it's getting close, but it's more um it's more how do you how it, it's always trying to find the one thing you want to say with the scene. Yeah, and sometimes across certain scenes, I mean, right? I've had movies where um. I tell you one example where, uh, which doesn't happen a lot, that's why I remember it, uh, you have, we had this, I don't know, almost eight minute scene where two, two story um, sort of intercut, mm-hmm. very difficult and, and conceptually, and I had no idea how to solve this until the editor of that film um, cut in the theme I had written. And this, which was like, if you want gloss over the whole, but tie it together. Right. In a way, I would have never, honestly, written it to picture because I, I, I would be too close. Right. So to step back some, I and mean, then they would just under, would just color everything, give it the mm. right, oh, this all makes sense now. Thing, right, right. Versus the, you scoring the scene or even the, yeah. two, you know, or even the step back. So, yeah.
1: Which film was that? Do um, you remember?
0: That was Ned Kelly.
1: Oh wow, that's that's one of my favorite scores. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that, that's,
0: but that, that doesn't happen a lot. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> a rare, gem. Yeah, but and it's a beautiful, beautiful film. Yeah, and absolutely. No, I, don't, I mean, I mean, don't even touch. I don't have to touch it. It's beautiful. So yes. it's, uh, I'm not saying to the of music, but these a great opportunity.
1: We we're just talking about you know working with Sean Penn, um, another amazing director. But I mean, your your career, you've worked with so many amazing directors. But Werner Herzog is, I think, I mean, one of my favorite directors. You know, inspiring me as a filmmaker and. I mean you did Invincible with him, A Rescue Dawn, Queen of the Desert. Um, how is, what is Werner like as a director? I mean he's such a big personality, I mean he's one of the few directors where you see him speak and he's in front of the camera, he's acting, and Jack Reacher, he's you a, know.
0: He's, he's a character. Yeah, And he's always his own character in a way. Um, I remember Invincible was, I had so much respect for that guy of course, right? yeah. I mean uh, I actually was afraid of him. I mean, yeah, I mean, he pointed a gun at his. <laughs> exactly. Another class. Uh, another class he already killed he another class, so I didn't want to be the second one. <laughs> um, his. I remember Invincible. Watching it without any music, only he put some Beethoven in. Mm. And that was the first movie I ever cried without having any piece of music. I mean, like a temp. Not even. Not even a temp. There was nothing. In yeah. It, I think. Just the. Um, just just the movie. I was uh, in tears, and um, and it wasn't finished at all. And it was a mm-hmm. production sound, and you could hear people talk. It. It would drag me in so much, and um no, he was the opposite of what you would expect, really yeah. what I expected at least uh-huh. um, he was so respectful of the work he would not interfere with details but instead inspire you to a to get to a higher level
1: oh, okay. He
0: would just talk about i don 't even know. You know, he wouldn't say this needs to be there and there needs to be a change. That was all obvious. Yeah, Uh, it it was more like offer me something, Mm -hmm. and I offered him. uh, I spotted it and I said, I think it should. What do you think? Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, yeah. And then he would call um, and ask, Hey, uh, I'm on the stage because I was still writing. I moved, I moved this like by three seconds. Is that okay with you? You don't have to ask me. That's the first one who ever would. Wow. Um, so no, uh, very respectful. And I think you can see this. He, even sometimes he put the music up, I thought, too loud, too prominent. Yeah. You know, uh, I, 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 it was written more like, uh, you know, it should sneak on, uh, right. it should sneak in on you. And he uh, he used it as a piece of music. So this is where, that, that's the only thing I ever thought, like, hey, I'm I'm uh, honored, but, he could push it
1: down a bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the, the my the scene that's you know sticks with me is the opening credits for Rescue Dawn, and that's mm. the way you scored it. I mean, I remember from mm. it's been a while since I've seen it, but it was I remember it's kind of a, a helicopter shot of explosions, yeah, it's, yeah, and it's, and then you kind of scored it with this beautiful, I mean, <laughs> yeah. melancholic type piece that was like yeah. counter of what we're seeing. You're looking, you're looking at, you're turning war into something. Beautiful for a second there
0: yeah, yeah it's a bit it's the bigger meaning of course of um, I mean these the footage he found and he always does this was yeah. just uh, breathtaking you know it had a certain beauty may I say yeah. to it and yeah. the footage was like you know it was the, the beauty of destruction is right. terrible yeah that's um, interesting yeah. but what of course what I was trying to play is this um, I'm telling the end of the story why he's telling the beginning mm. I'm telling you where we all going with this and what this means to Hopefully us, but definitely to the story and the character who's in there. Who you know, is this true story of this guy. He was actually researching the uh, Dieter Dengler at the time um, while I was doing Invincible, and Dieter actually passed away at the time when we were dubbing. uh, uh, So he he, uh, actually he did the documentary about him too. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. And when I was reading his, well, it was a treatment or something. Mm -hmm. It read. I thought like you can't make this up nobody would make this movie it yeah. sounds too contrived right but this was all true of this guy who dreamt to be a pilot and he saw this pilot's eye flying by and yeah and then he was okay as a little boy and then he was like i'm gonna do it wow. he failed everything went to america had this dream and then the first flight he did he was shot down yeah and, and, and the story just keeps going on and on and on right and possibilities one after another so this is actually the the beauty of life you know yeah and sometimes you have to you don't get the opportunity every time, right? but exactly. Yeah, in this the Werner you can try. Also, I try to uh, um, it's a I think I love that collaboration so much because I can he pushes me definitely, but mm-hmm. I can push him a little bit too. I can Which is ask great, yeah. questions, I can say, Hey, would you be open for this? It's a bit not what you probably would do, Didn't expect, or anything, right? Isn't? Like slightly, slightly, just push it this way, And, right. and he's super open, and then we said, also like. Right, Ah, That doesn't work because I'm like, okay, I totally agree, but you know what? When I look back a week later, I'm like, yeah, he's totally right, but right? It's a stupid idea, but um, he um, he accepts more than I ever thought he would, uh, yeah. being such a uh, As a experienced filmmaker for you know, has done so much, so, I mean,
1: yeah, his entire career. And then the, the, the recent one that he did a few years ago was Queen of the Desert, which. What? I don't know what happened to that movie, did it, it, uh, it didn't never get distributed? I don't know. It was such a huge thing with Nicole Kidman and Robert Panson. I mean, it's a finished film, right? You scored it?
0: Yeah, yeah it's finished. It's yeah. a beautiful film, I think. It's a beautiful film. I had lots of opportunity lots of to record, right. like you know, beautiful vocalists and, and instruments and yeah. a lot of research about the uh, music of, of the era. Um, I worked on so many pictures which you don't know what happened to them. Yeah, it's so and interesting. They don't deserve that um, for one or the other reason. Right. It's when when this kind of filmmaking um, clashes with, the business. Let's say, the distribution yeah. industry or whatnot. Right. Oh, business. Yeah. yeah. It's it's twofold, and you know, if you accept both. Yeah, and yeah. I've done mainstream movies a lot, and that's what they do, and then right, you get other <laughs> things from the other. It's you know, if you make movies today, I think you just have to accept.
1: It. Yeah, it's part of the just part of the, the, the yeah. craft. <laughs> yeah. well, I hope it gets released, or I hope your score gets released. I think it was released outside. I think it America? was released very. Um, I mean, it played at festivals and yeah, and I think limited distribution, but it never got a US release. So I don't even. On the home uh, what I love
0: about Werner's also is is, um, is I remember here there's this theater in Santa Monica, the Arrow, mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah. Um, they often have uh, filmmakers live on stage when the film shows. And when Werner was there last time, every now and then he does this. I forgot which movie they're showing of. Fitzcarraldo or something. Mm -hmm. My most favorite film of all times, I think. And uh, he, the the audience was not the hmm, nerdy uh, 50 plus uh, years old, you know, uh, melancholic, oh, remember those movies? Yeah. No, these were all young and hungry filmmakers. Right. I mean, they were uh, in that twenties and teens you know most of them they were coming from film school I am in film school you could see the audience and those are his fans and that is to me he speaks to these uh, to to these to every age it's pure filmmaking it's not um a, a catalog a back catalog
1: right yeah I mean it's and he's still he's such a powerful presence today even today like his films his yeah. documentary work is still yeah fantastic um it's just to go down the list of them we directors, directed Kurt mm-hmm. wimmer is another amazing oh, yeah. yeah Kurt who did you did Equilibrium, ultraviolet with and I always found those scores to be very interesting because Kurt's films are so uh, or at least those two films are so hyper-stylized. I mean, totally. r- ridiculously over-the-top stylized. <laughs> uh, so when the, when you have a visual style like that that is coming at you and kind of overshadows everything to make it, you know... Does the score need to match it in, in terms of style, in terms of trying to be something
0: like... Over- top. No, it's just sometimes you you just play it straight. Um, mm-hmm. In this case, I... Uh, no, I actually played it very straight and very serious. I mean, it was, was very, uh, yeah. was very uh, uh, you know... Um, very uh, third Reich for <laughs> yeah. uh, um No, no. I, think it of, it, yeah. I mean, if you want, it's exaggerated. But no, it didn't feel to be exaggerated. <laughs> um, it felt like you know, it, it wants this kind of yeah. old statement of how they see themselves. You you, you slip right. into the bubble like the oh, film yeah, they yeah. and uh, my gosh, uh, I love Kurt's Kurtz writing and his ideas. And he's actually he's an excellent filmmaker, and um, I hope he's gonna do more directing too. Yeah, not just writing. So
1: right. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah, he does. He does. He's yeah, writing and, and directing too. Um, again, another or action guys you worked with was Richard Donner, John McTiernan, yeah. Wolfgang Peterson. Yeah, it's, it's um, you know, with Sixteen Blocks and Poseidon and Basic. For Poseidon, though, I'm very interested. That's such a you know the disaster film. You know, it's kind of a big genre. And when you think of ships and disasters, of course, you think of Titanic. And right. and so when you were making that film, what was the I guess the key to making something that would be entertaining? So I guess to so see people in peril, I guess be as form of entertainment. You
0: know. Yeah. No. I mean, we, we one thing we said I remember it was not to make a remake of it, but mm-hmm. you know, to define a new, you know, what we would do today. Right. Because there was a film. The Poseidon uh, Adventure. Yeah, the original, Adventure, yeah. but it's if you look at it, it's a very, yeah, very different vibe. Very. Course, yeah. And. <laughs> and um, uh, you no, know, it was always to find, actually, the individual characters which drive it. Mm-hmm. And there was a whole cast, right? And each of them, you know, parallel stories, and they come together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and basically, it was just, you know, run, yeah. <laughs> run, 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 run all the time. Right. Uh, and it's hard to actually keep the tension and keep the pace yeah. up, uh, because you're running all the time.
1: And the and the film goes from like from start to finish. Yeah, that's so and when the movie when they escape is when it ends. There's really just like vroom, vroom, like that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I try to find in these uh, transcendental moments. These these moments where I mean there was this underwater scene of uh, um, which c- you need these emotional uh, centerpieces. Yeah. And uh, and Wolfgang is is great at that. He enables you to do this. He actually puts this in. Right. And you just have to follow. Him.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Another big uh, film of yours, of course, is Pirates of the Caribbean, and um, that movie came out from Disney based on a ride. No one knew it was <laughs> going to be a success or anything. And That's
0: right. I didn't even know the ride, to be honest. <laughs>
1: yeah, it was just this thing, Gore Verbinski, you know, uh, so I, I spoke with Alan Silvestri, and he kind of talked me yeah. through it and, mm. and how, you know, he, and didn't, he didn't write anything. I moved off, and um, so I'm just curious, um, if we if we can talk about it, just what, what was the process on that film? I know that it was kind of a, a last-second dash to the finish, yeah. and... Yeah. And what was it like? I know I have a lot of stories of Jerry Brown and, and <laughs> working with him, but what was that like for you and
0: at a time in your career? Yeah, it was crazy. I, I um uh basically Anzi Vestry, by the way, was one of my or is one of my biggest heroes, one of mm-hmm. the reasons I'm actually here. Yeah. Um I had not heard anything, I'm not sure if he, if he told you he didn't write anything good. Um yeah, it's it's you know, it's always highly political. There's so many reasons so, yeah, things yeah. happen. Business
1: politics, yeah. Right,
0: look, I mean if a guy like Anzi Vestry uh, you know gets this treatment mm-hmm. you can imagine what happens to me and others so, yeah so uh, it was definitely not an easy project because it had like no time 30 days or something from yeah. i think to the trucks waited to deliver the the rolls wow. The wow from the day i saw it and uh, there was this established relationship with hans hans didn't have time to do it and brockheimer and, and, yeah. and uh, i'm sure with gore but but there was a lot of going on so i just and pff, all i could do is like, dive in mm-hmm and, and just do-do-do and we uh, had a lot of help obviously because yeah. we can't do this. The movie was cut down, 20 minutes was cut out while I was working on it. Um you know, whole reel. Wow. <laughs> uh, so there was a complete madness. I almost <laughs> barely remember. It was really like a very blurry time. Right. Um, but sometimes, you know, it's not the experience. I mean, there are movies in which I had a much hmm, more fulfilling experience doing. Of course, this. yeah. And here the experience, the fulfilling experience, comes after. In you like you can't believe that actually you created this. Yeah. When you, when you dive up, right? Like, oh, that's what came out. Amazing. Right. And uh, wow. All right. Um, but also, what was cool about it was that it wasn't, you know, uh, like the 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 uh, the classic. Pirate kind of music and movie. Yeah. It was very different. It was more you know rock and roll with orchestra. Yeah, of, exactly. And it,
1: was like, it was almost like a Western version. Exactly. To, it know, it yeah. was
0: like the guy. You know, he doesn't get the girl too. It's so super weird things. Yeah, happen yeah, in the yeah. movie. Very and gorgeous. Boys, yeah. We were like everyone was scared. Like, this was a big production, and right, this didn't look like it's gonna work out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that most of the time we had right. several editors. You can imagine the madness. We had yeah,
1: I mean, and then of course it's. Spawned off an entire franchise and everything, right? Yeah, which no one I think saw coming either. <laughs> no, 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 no.
0: But and it gave me the opportunity then to, mm, I um to um. While they were then continue to do two, three, four, five, six, seven. I don't even know how many are, mm. are there right now, but I and had the opportunity to work in the shadow of that of the first. Right. To work with all these amazing directors. I, uh, uh, who. You know, I mean, Bizarre was like, a, a, I think the first six months after it came out of three months. Yeah. I didn't get a single call. I was, <laughs> I was jobless. Yeah. Like, huh? How can that happen after <laughs> the movie? I mean, if you like it a lot, but it was successful, right? Right, Whatever. yeah. Um, and then I started working with, you know, Wolfgang Peterson, uh, with yeah. the Dick Donner, I think. Yeah, Richard Donner happened.
1: and 16 Blocks. And 16 Blocks, and yeah, came
0: after, yeah. And uh, who John I was. John McTiernan, yeah. John McTiernan. Um, that was a crazy... Um, Story too. Uh, then with uh, uh, Shane Kaige, the Chinese director, I yes. spent then a long time On with the, him in China. The promise. The promise. Yeah. Fantastic. So all this in basically in the in the shadow of this big um, mainstream film. Right. Um, anyway, I mean, you never know what. Turns out, yeah. What you just never know. Well, know. did
1: the did the whole experience of that, the politics and stuff, did that just kind of sour you from it? Is that why you pulled away from the franchise? Did you want to explore no
0: more? You no, know, that was. I mean, uh, Hans had this pre-established relationship with Jerry. Mm. Jerry was one of just Hans. In the yeah, way. no, that's what I was. And I, I was you saying. know, I had uh, it was an uphill battle, but I mm-hmm. hope I did fine. And yeah, and I have no. I mean, I actually really admire Jerry. Uh, um, yeah, because he was more on top than you ever would think, you know. I remember playbacks and we were all like, you know, on our last cylinder. But yeah he would remember what I played him back the week before in minute eight, you know. So he was he was on top of things. Right. You couldn't just cheat it out. Yeah. You know, He's, just, uh, you know, his
1: productions what, are yeah, tight ship, yeah. No, there's a tight, a tight ship. <laughs> yeah, yeah, tight ship. <laughs> And you had
0: to invent something new. So it was very difficult. Mm-hmm. And I give a lot of credit to all the ones I help who helped me on this too, you know. Yeah. All these which then some of them turned on to be uh, turned out to be like great composers on their own because they were. Yeah. So it's it's this sometimes it happens that right. you have to um, just dive through and and to write 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 write. I mean, I was writing. I was not on. on I don't think I was on the single recording session. Wow,
1: all the time. that's, I mean, that time limit was kind of crazy, yeah. um, and you, you just mentioned John McTiernan, BASIC has an interesting story, so yeah. how, how did that come to be, and, and I mean, his, his, him as a, you know, as a director, I mean, we know him in the news and everything, yeah. and what happened <laughs> to him, but yeah. like at the time when you're making the film, and he's the guy who gave us Die Hard, Yeah. yeah I mean, he gave us, uh, I mean, he his, I um, uh, was it yeah, blanking yeah, no, exactly. Um, well, just so the Thomas Crown Affair, his remake it of Thomas Crown Affair. Right. Oh, I loved it so much. It was yeah, a great remote script by the way. Yeah, yeah so there you go. Fantastic, right? Exactly. So what was yeah. basic like? in working with this kind of top tier action director. Oh my of goodness,
0: time? I I was super. Um, I mean, it was a weird situation with him. I have to admit because he never really showed up. Mm-hmm. I had like a, a handful of meetings with him. And then he showed up again at the end when everything was almost done. <laughs> and I was, it, honestly, I can say I was disappointed. I yes. was looking forward to work with this hero of mine <laughs> and who created like the most iconic pictures. And um, I had understanding issues with the film. I not like, well, why is this happening, John? And you wouldn't pick up the phone, um, So uh, it was a bit weird, I have to say. And, yeah. But also there was this amazing editor on this too. So we worked, I mean, we worked together ultimately, but... Uh, not as close as I always, I like to work very close with directors. Yeah. And there was this amazing editor who, uh, you know, he, he did, you know, was iconic, he did um, um, Bruce Brothers, you know? Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, we have this kind of team. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my God. Uh, like, oh, and then me, what's going on? And, um, so, so, uh, that that was a lot of fun, but I, um, I wasn't really part of the development of the film because I came in also very late and, yeah. and John had moved off almost already. Um, so I enjoy more when I can be really part of it. Uh, yeah, editorial. when you just
1: felt kind of floating on your own.
0: To yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not that kind of guy. Like, give me a tape and then yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the drive or right. uh, download. <laughs> and uh, I score for you and I show it to you when I am you know, have the themes and next time yeah. I come back on the scoring stage. Right. don't like that. I like to be really involved in the cutting room and, and everything. Not even talking about music, but talking about everything yeah just the, the story
1: and everything i yeah. mean because you, you, you're all storytellers in the end that's the thing like Thank your you, job yeah. is music right. storytelling that person okay. is cutting the picture storytelling okay. i mean and i think that's an important part that separates film composers from other types of musicians is storytelling right <laughs> right exactly, yeah, um, that's that's exactly another right. interesting project of yours was uh, constantine yeah uh which you co-composed with brian tyler which okay. uh, but i don't think you guys worked together right was it a
0: well, you know, we, we, we were overlapping was, in a way, but it was like yeah, also one of those crazy, crazy things. He had started it, mm-hmm. and I well, I won't say I finished it, but I um, <laughs> I I won't say I took over, but it, there was part of stuff he did, and then and they want other things right. differently. And the director threw himself fully, like took full charge, and said like, it "Was my fault." But we need some new direction for certain scenes or like the rest of the film. Right. So, thank you for. Yeah, and um, <laughs> um, and he, by the way, he works very differently to me, for, as far as I understand. Right. In terms of how he writes. Oh, Brian! Yeah, yeah, uh, he's a cool guy. I love Brian. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a very different way. I mean, like literally, like, the, the craftsmanship of writing is yeah. very different too. So. I know that's cool. why it was interesting because you guys are so stylistically work. so different. Yeah, yeah we could, not only that, but also really like the like you yeah. know how do we create? Right. It's cr- almost incompatible <laughs> to actually work together. <laughs> right. You know, he would the you know he writes very different in Pro to uh, I don't know if he still does, but at the mm-hmm. time. And I was very hands-on with the orchestration, so he, um, um, anyways, but it's very inspiring then to have someone with a very different perspective on yeah. it. And uh, then the director was said, okay, now I'm really set free, we have to th- rethink, and you have two weeks. <laughs> 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 and I come back after Christmas. No, he was there, but they, everyone else came back after Christmas. Yeah. So,
1: wow. Uh, That's <laughs> yeah, so. Composers, yeah, do finish. finish <laughs> <Yeah>, Right. <laughs> um, you also worked with, uh, which I think is a, a very special score, I mean, I really love it, as Beat the Drum. Um, oh, okay, yeah. With Ramin. Ramin did yeah. a lot of that, actually. And, yeah. And
0: we worked together, but, uh, um, yeah, that was um, the South African theme, and, yeah, um, and I love the choir that it, the recorded in this church, and, you and was those a very, the exact opposite end, you know, Constantine was a 100x million dollar yeah. movie, where you, um, right. <clears throat> you know, you see the visual effects develop in front of your eyes. Yeah. And there, it's, the most inspiring in that film to me was, you know, one of them was, was this the beautiful songs they actually recorded on site. Similar yeah. to Thin Red Line. I had done this like, right. you know, years before. And that's way. one
1: of my favorite films. And you took mm. kind of the Melanesian chants and you kind of adapted it into the, the melodies that fit the fabric of the score, right? Yeah. Is that what the idea was there? Exactly right. Yeah. Like
0: make this like a song for orchestra and choir. And mm. also technically it was very difficult because yeah. these guys were singing and the pitch was drifting over time. It's like like, I don't know. And, and how do you, add, you know, but it's it's beautiful when you have uh, the opportunity to get um, different vocabulary outside your usual, yeah. in the choir recording authentic from the Solomon Islands and here from um, somewhere in, in South Africa, mm-hmm. I don't know where that was, um, in some church amateur choir. But oh, so heartfelt and beautiful! So wow. you have to just add enough to to make it a bit maybe more accessible. Yeah,
1: and you did some there's some vocals uh, vocal chants and in the time machine, I think, right? Oh yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I built
0: this actually, there was like a single singer mm-hmm. and I built. she was amazing. And I, I built this track by track by track with her um, to create this very um, non-traditional choir. And then we had yeah. the, the choir choir sing it and it mm-hmm. didn't sound that right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we mixed it again with what I had built to not have... Um, it Sound like a church choir, you know, right? The opposite, then, you know, yeah. to create something new within, too. And but I love always when you have the opportunity again to have outside vocabulary like uh, instruments, you know, uh, in China, I love. The well, yeah, so bands. the
1: promise was such a, I mean, you so you went over there and you re- did the whole score there in China,
0: the whole score. I, I spent not only writing the scores, so the director sent me, you know, I wrote the first few at a couple of three weeks developing some themes, mm-hmm. sitting at the lake in uh, Hangzhou, uh, literally, I mean, my writing room, he put me up there. And then he came and is very nice, but I think I'll send you around China a little bit more to absorb, wow. I'm like, okay, that's good criticism, so <laughs> I I spent uh, I don't know weeks and weeks, um, and he made some calls, and I was swimming in ice cold lakes at seven in the morning with the governor of Yunnan. You know, and wow. and things like this, uh, high in the mountains with museums of musical instruments they found. They don't even know how to play them. Wow, uh, chants and dances done just for me. I have so many recordings. Yeah, and did a lot of research with instruments um, I had never seen before. So that's when my love to China started. Um, that was, on, you know, almost fifteen years ago. I know,
1: but I mean, that that's to me that's like the epitome of what you do. I mean, you take another culture and you mm-hmm. translate it into music like that. I mean, that must have been such a rewarding wow, I think, experience for you. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah that's beautiful. I, I I, think you can hear it in the in the movie that also, you know, uh, Shane Clague's, um personality, you just yeah. want to be as good as he is, uh, remotely, you know, he can never be as good as he is. But right. You want to rise to the occasion with him. Absolutely. And and you, I think you can hear the
1: inspiration. Yeah, for sure. And um, so, talking about China, we have a recent film that's coming out, uh, Warrior's Gate. Yeah. uh, It takes place in China. It's not out yet. I didn't know that. Okay. (laughs) It's coming out. (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) Yeah. The score comes out soon, too. That's a cool
0: film. I I, I can totally. Great director, uh, young, new guy, and. it's really cool because it has this kind of video game um, yeah, aesthetics. A, yeah, it's a video
1: game about a, a young kid who gets transported to, to China, yeah, right?
0: It's totally cool idea. I feel like right? yeah. nobody else ever do it. Luc Besson, I think, did the story. Luc Besson did the story. Yeah. Uh, like, wow. <laughs> and it's really it's really done well. Um, the, the 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 characters really click. Mm-hmm. I think. Hopefully, the audience is the same. <laughs> and it was a lot of fun because also you could do two things at the same time. It was yeah. Very electronic, very um, ethnic at the same time. Right. Lots of action, but also. Um, you know, like teenager romance, if you want, mm. between in, in the future or in some other world between two cultures. Like, mm-hmm. you could do everything you want. Yeah. Um, and I think the movie was just a lot of fun. And that's also, I love, you know, you yeah. can see I love mainstream stuff like that, which is right. really well done. And I think that one was very well done. Um, it's very well done. Yeah. And, uh, and I love, you know, Werner Herzog and other, you know, you might think more substantial. But for me, there's substance in... Never all of did. these kinds absolutely I mean I think your career
1: has been so varied and different especially um, I mean like one of your one of my favorite sports is War of the Buttons they did oh the, thank the, you the French oh, you church. know about it thank yeah, you and then uh, The Prodigies uh, oh, yeah. oh yeah a great action score and then yeah. um so yeah, but talking about that time in your career, I call it the kind of the Klaus-French-New-Wave.
0: Where Yeah, you, why, I don't know. How did that happen? I how don't know. How you become this big kind of French composer for I French cinema? <laughs> I, I, I remember I was on the plane once and I watched a French movie and I thought this was one of the best movies I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what? I want to do some French movies. And besides, I love Paris. I don't want to go as a tourist. Okay, I called some people and said, yeah. can you help me introduce me to some people? And from mm-hmm. then on, I went to France like for years, uh, every couple of weeks, wow. to uh, uh, and um, and I ended up like having a baguette in my knees and no time to actually see anything in there. Yeah. But um, and I had the opportunity really to work with beautiful there's a very different way of working with directors there yeah. You have much more freedom if you want i don't know well um,
1: because that's where i think the auteur theory started i think yeah. france still holds the director as the prime visionary and you know we did too in america in american new wave and i think just recently we had the surge in franchises and studio pictures and where the producer kind of rose back up to like producers as the king and the director right. is doing what the producer says but True. So I think it probably was more freeing over there to see work with creative visionaries like that.
0: Yeah, and I got to do uh, you know it's uh, typecasting. So Mm -hmm. I got to do things which, for some reason, I wouldn't do here. I did comedies. Yeah. I mean, I did like romantic comedies. Yeah. yeah, Iconic French comedies. Mm -hmm. I I mean, not uh, properties like uh, Little Nick or Petit Nicolas, which was like like uh, you're asking me i'm the german from hollywood you want me to do this right i mean they have like you won't believe in the uh, in paris exhibitions about these books and yeah it's one of the highest and that was um anyway i'm saying of course i can do it yeah. uh, <laughs> that's not the point it's right. just like, like oh, it's... thank you for trusting me this yes. um, because there's so many who would probably be more in yeah. the background of they've have shown it before mm-hmm. so in this then it enabled me to do you know comedies and here you know it comes around like through new york and back it's um i just love not doing the same thing i did last time
1: yeah do you ever i mean and you've done some different regions of france and china and america mm. um do you ever feel like an outsider like you you feel like
0: <laughs> always you, like you don't belong <laughs> yeah. always i'm always the outsider <laughs> yeah um and i'm here f- i'm this german in uh, in hollywood so that's the yeah. you want i'm right. the I'm the Hollywood guy in, in France and I had like, trust me, I had meetings where they said, oh, well, we don't like the American way of filmmaking. Like, mm. all right, I might not be the right <laughs> one. But you know the American way and you know what not to do, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. And the same in China where, I mean, I was so honored to tell you, and I will always say this, uh, when The Promise came out and the, and the director told me, look, he said, everything has been criticized, uh, the story, <laughs> the official effects, um, but nobody's criticizing the music. And that was my biggest fear that this right. Hollywood arrogant guy comes to China, mm. and it was very early on. This was two thousand four or five. Yeah, um, there was not much. I mean, today we have many more co-productions. There yes, was, but yes. It was, and it's yeah. the first time where you think, ah, uh, th- that we have this uh, cultural imperialism um, mm. uh, yeah. element. And I didn't, you know, I had the highest respect, and I was very honored that they realized. Uh, that the message came across that right. I don't want to impose myself on it but just to open this up to the rest of the world. Absolutely. Same with the uh, Olympics where yeah. I was kind of the I think I was the last white guy I left, you <laughs> yeah. know, uh, last western uh, right. left on the project because um, it's very tricky. Those were especially tricky because... It's Which Olympics it's were those? I forget. The Beijing Olympics yes. in 2008, the, 2008, I did the closing ceremony. So know, those are three a, years of wow. of uh, meetings and creation at night and then meeting in the day, and then many many travels.
1: Yeah, I think and, uh, Jeff Rona worked on some of it there too. Yeah, I heard
0: later he told like, yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, but just to be yeah, just to be involved in that and, and creating something for a culture and a, and a nation, I think that's a, it's fascinating. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, beyond. Um, uh, filmmaking and beyond, story, and music, music composing, and then all, and storytelling. Uh, you have, I mean, you have other ventures, and, and just talk about how you started off. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're sitting here in this office space for your company, Kino Nation, which you co-founded, and uh, I'm interested in, in this kind of venture of your career now. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. no, I I, uh,
0: I always do what I feel like doing, mm-hmm. and I never think about career. I remember when I went to China. People, when I, mean, I came back, people said, told me, oh, I thought you had moved away. I'm like, no, I just did a movie. But um, <laughs> yeah. but it's very, you know, yeah, there's this image of we have to fulfill. Mm. Um, this is political. What I, and I'm not saying I don't care, you have to play the game a bit, but I always like like to do what I like to do. Yeah. And then in this point, in this moment, I um, at this moment, I saw this opportunity of like, look, we're having this revolution, this paradigm shift going on out there mm-hmm. with... When everything is shifting from, I say DVD to videos to streaming, streaming yeah, and even if you want from theaters to streaming, yeah, you know this But now there's no more shelf space needed. There's no everyone can watch it anywhere at any time. Right. And I worked on many pictures in my career where I saw that distribution was a big hurdle. So I started this. Uh, I mean, I worked on. Yeah, French films which exactly didn't get released here I don't know why they're beautiful and they would have some audience right not the mass audience of uh, pirates of the Caribbean but mm-hmm. there's some and now that the cost is very low to distribute or it should be yeah because it's streaming why not and I for example I cannot watch any show any of my my kids any of the content uh, movies or shows I had seen when I grew up in Germany mm-hmm. so the same thing and if you know, 10 million Chinese living in America, they can't really, you know, there's no streaming service on it. Right. So I um, I started this tech startup because I'm always, have yeah, this that's tech mind. Right, I um, Which too. provides distribution, film distribution, or whatever the content is, directly to streaming services for everyone, everyone who has professional content. Wow. And there are many, many filmmakers who, um, and it's, you know, many, many filmmakers who have done a film, a documentary, and there's beautiful things out there. And you just upload it to this to the platform wow. and this website uh, markets it and delivers it and does every all the technology to the streaming service in the world. So you have now, for the first time, you have now guaranteed global distribution for your film. So you can just create and then the rest is guaranteed. That's,
1: I mean, I, I just love your way of thinking too, because I mean, also you did similar, not similar, but another, and. Kind of what you did with label zero and, and right. providing your music to license it to anybody, right. and exactly. you can use it in your film. You can use it. You just you can pay for it or you can take it for free. But I mean, it's it's just getting wider distribution and a wider audience. I
0: think it's empowering both the audience and the creators yeah. more than it used to be. We had the middlemen, including of course the, the studios who feed me here, right? right. I mean, yeah. I, I'm not saying I'm going against it, but we have to all we have to go along what what the audience wants and right. what's being created. 99% I learned of all just feature films created do not get distribution. Yeah. This year, Sunland, there were 14,000 movies and TV and I think less than 100 got distribution. Yeah. So, I don't think the other 13,900 are bad, necessarily. Right. They, they just don't fit in someone else's pocket in this moment of exactly. portfolio. Well, and I heard this many times but this is not good. You know, I don't know what to do with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think only the audience should decide.
1: Right. It's a bit Put it a, out there and let the audience watch it or not watch yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Right.
0: And since um, if we could create technology which makes it very, very cheap to distribute mm-hmm. it, you can afford to do everything else, even if it doesn't make that much money, maybe right. on a per title basis. Yeah. And you'd be surprised that th- there's some successful stuff out there now mm-hmm. uh, which you never had no distribution before. And, oh. you know, a filmmaker can make a living and can make the next one. Maybe create a, n- a bigger title, get, mm-hmm. get better financing, because he can show, look, oh, yeah, I've, I've seen it. Right. And there's also um, lots of um, movies and other... There's other titles, like educational titles. Uh, there's uh, sports. There's also um, these, what we call the digital creators, the digital uh, original creators, mm-hmm. um, who... You know, this is a new type of filmmakers, which I really support. Um, they... You know, I mean, used to call them YouTubers. We look yeah. down on them a bit from Hollywood perspective. Right, but these have billions of views and and millions of fans. I know. And they create what we used to do TV shows. Yeah. This. And and those need to get not only out from on YouTube, they need to go out everywhere in the world. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. So that's what we do. That's fantastic. Yeah. So it's one of uh, you know what I do <laughs> right now a lot, and then I always will write music, but yeah. uh, also did a lot of movies, and I think um, at this point in my career. It's time to like uh, take yeah. a, a breather and um, and um, do. I still do movies. But yeah, of I do course. Do much so. less. I don't do ten a year. And yeah, and, yeah, yeah.
1: And stress it out. Um, but talking when you just talk about distribution and, and, and the issues you're trying to solve there. But looking at Hollywood as a whole, or not Hollywood film industry as a whole. I mean, are there uh, who've, who you've been through and you lived through it? What today in 2017? Are what are the good things that are happening in this industry? and What are the bad things? Like what are what's some good things? What's some bad things
0: that you've seen? Good question. Um, I, let me start with the good things. I have to even think about the bad things, because I see everything as an opportunity, that's generally my idea, mm-hmm. my, my my philosophy. Um, yeah, of course, the bad things you want is like okay, the old world of how movies been made um, doesn't really work anymore like this. It gets more and more risky. Mm. The bad thing happened then is that okay, I do start now. I do start <laughs> with bad things. Is that we do, uh, you know, the franchise recycling? Yeah. To me, as a creator, obviously it's very boring. Mm-hmm. May I say that? Uh, you know, to do another Batman beats Alien versus Predator mm-hmm. versus, uh, it's not that interesting. I mean, yeah, for some reason, there is an audience. Obviously, they wouldn't buy the tickets otherwise. Right. But we have built this city with creating and telling beautiful stories right I'm talking like et and, and no mainstream stuff yeah. but like you know you were like crying and laughing and, and going along as so many of these movies. right and that I think is now our weakness we don't do this that much it's true yeah. and now the good part is that today you can create with um, you're not dependent on high budgets necessarily um, yeah, I mean of course you still need quite a uh a setup to mm-hmm. do a feature film. But it's not necessarily that you're completely dependent on the on the studios like you were in the 70s 80s. Right. Where this only worked with an uh, 85 people on the set. Uh digital production workflows etc. everything, you know, you can do now create with a good idea you can create something really seriously uh competitive. Right. Um and that's the opportunity now uh, that filmmakers now have is I have a good idea. I think um, I can I have now much more control to get financing. Mm-hmm. I have much more control to do production, and much more control to get to an audience. You don't need the billboards on on Santa Monica Boulevard. Yeah. the full-page ads in these magazines. Right. You can now you know find your audience. They're online. They're, they're the tastemakers. this yeah. You know you can connect. You can if you're active, you can do. Uh, you can move so much today, and. That's you know what what the startup hopefully helps too. What I'm doing with the exactly, yeah. But also, it's now in the back in the hands of of the creators and the audience much more. Same with music. I mean, it happened in music a few years ago. Yeah, you can sure. now record the pristine top quality or, uh, no, albums and and songs, and get them straight into iTunes and Spotify and whatnot. Exactly. If you build them with your audience. Um, and I'm seeing a lot
1: of uh, smaller composers do that now where they're, they're an album which wouldn't get picked up by a label can go yeah. s- distribute them themselves and go straight to Spotify and find an audience and
0: today know. I would say if you have a record deal that's your kiss of death I um, think it's actually a bad thing well, yeah. you should hold on to it as long as you can until you know there's a certain there's, there's a uh, there's a niche now for the mainstream <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's a need for you know a record label a yeah. big mainstream label um, but I wouldn't. Tr- I'm sorry, I wouldn't uh, necessarily blindly trust them. Your to build up an artist, they mm-hmm. haven't done this for twenty years. To build artists, right? You have to do it yourself anyway. Why have them participate from day one and you lose control and you pay for it? True. And the same yeah. for filmmakers. Now you don't need to sign that deal. You mm-hmm. can um, see what you, you know, Get financing on alternative. Now it's alternative routes. Very soon there will be the mainstream routes.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's it's such an interesting time too, especially you know I, I'm young in this industry too and then yeah. diving into it and and um, and it's just uh, I mean talking with you is definitely I, I love getting your perspective and everything so I appreciate. it. I mean, it. you're in the
0: studio world still, right? Yeah, I,
1: I work in uh, Cartoon Network and, and
0: studio. Yeah, well, yeah. But you see this too, probably right? It's and there must be much more of <clears throat> like okay, we have to. You see that there are different avenues now. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. There's so much more, and I, I, I'm. Very proud of where I work at too, because the studio is um, creator-based. So they will yeah. find an idea and they they let them have the control. Like Fantastic. we're not trying to build a brand. I mean, of course, we are trying to build a, to monetize it. But yeah, to to see the creators have full control of their shows
0: and it's just amazing. And amazing, yeah. yeah. And that's and that's how we create with integrity. That's what I learned a lot in the uh, international pictures I did. That uh, it's easier to create something with integrity if you have yeah. some control. Exactly. And sometimes I work with pictures here where. It's hard to do to keep the integrity because there are so many people who like uh, shave off the corners and right. edges, and yeah. at the end, we're like, You're. Hmm.
1: Yeah, you kind of recognize what it was. It yeah. has a
0: similar shape, but not exactly what you thought. Of. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes actually, we had I had pictures where marketing departments showed me what movie we actually wanted to do at the beginning. Wow. <laughs> I mean, they, and they didn't, yeah. that wasn't their intention. Yeah. But I saw what they did, and we're like, could be so easy, amazing what you guys are doing, guys come back let's have a look and isn't this this could be so easy to make this movie let right. let's switch around you know, it's, it is sometimes so easy, but you lose track often because there's so much it's a big responsibility yes, yeah. high cost uh, big risk absolutely uh, job at stake it's it's difficult sometimes so um, that's why I, I, I love also independent film and, and other, other things yeah. Um, they did some ballets in China now. Mm. Production, I know nobody will. You know, like I said, yeah. it's not what your agent would com- rec- would recommend as your next <laughs> yeah. career step. And I go often against what they recommend. Yeah. I don't actually listen um, because it's about me. Yeah. <laughs> and I, how I connect with. I think I can only be proud of something, and that translates an in inspiration. Absolutely. And if you don't, you hear that if, it's, if you don't.
1: Right. So. You know, as you work and you're, you, you know, we talked about earlier about how you're trapped in the room all the time. You're, you're kind of locked away and in, in mixing. So, what do you like to do? What are your hobbies that you like to do to refresh, to refresh the creativity, to refresh the brain, or the spirit, or whatever? Mm. Or do, do you like to travel? Do you have hob- like sports? Is there anything that you
0: I actually like. Funny enough, uh, I like coding. Oh wow! Um, yeah. As as a you know, if you want to free time, mm-hmm. um, that is extremely creative. I think. Uh, we totally underrate these developers. What yeah. they, how you write code is very similar to do architecture and very similar to write music. It varies, yeah. Um, and of course, I have now four children, so that's not even a hobby. That's like <laughs> that's a, another, uh, that's a another it's another necessity. Job, yeah. But it's beautiful how they, uh, uh, yeah, there's so much they give me there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love, I do love traveling. I, I did too much traveling um, because of like Paris back and forth. I have right. a studio in Paris, I have a studio in Beijing a studio in l.a and a mobile studio i did too much traveling yeah. so i wanted to actually that's uh, to, to plant some roots a little bit yeah i love now sitting to relax with my laptop in, in a coffee shop yeah or uh, this is a place uh it's a it's a shared workspace where you uh, have lots of startups and people who are some of them are entertainment some of them mm-hmm. are not right and you learn so much and the energy of other uh, writing music in a dark room is like a one Person show right. and when you get out, it's either dark or you know, yeah. But you don't know, yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's so great to be able to. If I do less now, i to do one movie at a time and then I have a break, and I can really, really um, have something to create from again. Yeah. Know?
1: Well, Klaus, I want to thank you so much for your time today. It's thank been you. so, I mean, so informative and, and, and it's great chatting. With forever, you. Sorry, but, it's no, a- it's. The, I mean, and they, I mean, I love your work and everything that you do and, and you stand for, and, you're, and so really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. <laughs>